When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Peacock Streaming, the biggest live events from Super Bowl 56 to complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. It's all the unbelievable sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Good morning and welcome to a fresh edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am going solo today uh, because nobody would join me uh, for a podcast because I organised it too late um, and I'm trying to hold myself this year to doing a podcast a week, which doesn't sound like a lot of effort, but it actually is more of an effort than writing a blog almost every day. But enough about... My problems, let's talk about what's going on in the world of football at the moment. So we've got two topics that we're going to talk about today. First one, transfer window has slammed shut in Europe. The first ever transfer window to shut early for British clubs, I believe. Uh, I should really fact check that, but as I'm on my own, I'm just going to give myself a tacit nod that that is indeed correct. Um, Some interesting moves going on um, in and around Europe and some interesting exits from Arsenal. And then we're going to talk about the Arsenal-Spurs game. Lots of controversy um, to talk about. We've got Emery's team selections. Uh, we've got Granite Jacker being pilloried in the press again. And then we can talk about Harry Kane and his disgusting cheating. Uh, so join me in part one where we're going to talk about transfers. So here we are. Uh, Transfer window is shut and Arsenal have sold or sent out on loan two players. Um, We sold Nacho Monreal. He's gone to Real Sociedad. Going to be very sad to see him playing for another club. But at 32, if somebody's putting a big, long deal on the table and you want to be close to your family, there is no other choice. I think he's been a brilliant servant to Arsenal over the years. A real reliable figure. Um, against the, a backdrop of some pretty shocking defenders that we've had. I mean, anybody that can come into an Arsene Wenger defence and be loved by the fans after more than one season has definitely done something uh, very correct. Um, I'm just a little bit sad that his reliability is being exchanged for two pretty much unknowns. Um, I mean, we know a lot about Kalasanat because we've watched him We've watched him play over the last two seasons. Um, I think that he's definitely underrated in the in what he offers going forward. He's a chance creator. He's a, an absolute monster um, down the left. I think the the cause for concern is that defensively, maybe he's lacking a little bit. Um, his positional awareness isn't always spot on. Um, and to be honest, I think he looks like he prefers to be bombing down the wing than he does um, sitting tightly in a, in a in a back four. 
The other worry that we've got is Kieran Tierney, though he does look an exceptional talent, has had a lot of fitness problems in uh, a less than intense league in the SPL. Um, I'm not doubting that he has talent. My concern is that coming back from a very complicated injury um, and a lot of time out, he's going to be rusty. Uh, you know, it, it could be fine. He was a very robust player before last season. But as we saw with Jack Wilshire back in the day, when those young players rack up the minutes, it's very difficult for them um, to maintain long-term fitness if they have been broken. So um, it's a big fingers crossed moment. Um, but on the, uh, on the other side of things, when you hit 32 or 33, whatever Nacho Monreal is, injuries start piling up. Uh, so it's it, it was really an experience play if we were going to keep him at the club. So I understand why Arsenal have done it. We've gambled on Tierney um, and uh, gambled on that pace, that, and hopefully that's going to bring Unai Emery uh, the, the the bit of magic that he needs on that overlap. Um, but I'd still be sad to see Monreal go. The other signing, and maybe a bit of a surprise signing, considering he came on as a sub to chase the game in the North London derby yesterday, but Henrik Mkhitaryan has finally exited the building. He's taken a low move to Roma uh, with a view to leaving permanently next season. I think they're picking up a percentage of his wages. And yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been disappointing. I can't say that I wasn't out there banging the drum that actually maybe it could be a, a good signing. He had a very good season at Dortmund a few years back playing under Tuchel. Um, he got a lot of assists, a lot of goals. He was industrious. He closed down from the front. Um, but we just didn't see any of it. I mean, it's uh, it, it's hard to deny that he doesn't have a lot of talent. I mean, even in the, the Newcastle game, some of the balls that he played were visionary, um, but we just didn't see it enough. Um, I feel like he was maybe a bit demotivated by the game, maybe making all of that money over the last few years um, allowed him to take it foot off the gas, maybe didn't feel like he needed to prove anything anymore. But overall, he was an incredibly disappointing signing um, for us. I mean, some of the mistakes that he made were so junior, they just looked like he didn't really give a shit. And I'm interested in re- reading a book called Football Hackers um, by Christoph Biermann, um, translated by Rafa Honigstein. Um, a good read if you like the numbers and uh, and you want to hear what... The, the nerds in football um, are doing. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about some of the things that I found interesting in it later or maybe on another pod, but one of the, uh, one of the big stories that they run through um, through a lot of the chapters is Jurgen Klopp's last season and why Liverpool hired him. And, and the gist of it is that his last, um, his last season in charge where he had a bit of a disaster, if we're completely honest, but the, the stats people highlighted that actually a lot of it was down to incredibly bad luck. He still had it as a coach, but defensively things went against him and in attack things went against, things went against him. So the, the, the XG model basically came to his rescue and, and Liverpool identified that. And this, uh, uh, this coach stats guy Colin Trainer also delves a little bit deeper into it uh, and about like how how some of there were more irregularities to the season than simply bad luck and one of the people that gets called out is Henrik Mkhitaryan um, who had thirty shot thirty four shots on goal um, and scored zero goals and then they start to get a bit deeper into the analysis and this trainer guy was tracking the quality of the shot. Like, did it hit a defender? 
um, like, was it easy for the goalkeeper? Did he stretch the goalkeeper? And it turned out that Mkhitaryan's quality of his shots was incredibly poor. And then it goes a step further and it starts analysing um, how well uh, Dortmund were pressing in, uh, in the bad season. And it noted that Mkhitaryan's uh, defensive actions um, per 90 uh, were, were almost halved. So he wasn't making a contribution in the pressing. So it does kind of lead you to believe that maybe Mkhitaryan can work well under a certain style of, of coach. I mean, he didn't respond well um, to, to Klopp in the end. Had a good run with Thomas Tuchel. Um, then went to United, had a disaster under Jose Mourinho. Uh, a lot of attacking players tend to. Then he's come to play under Unai Emery and he's having the same problems. So um, playing under big personalities or, uh, I mean, I can't even put my finger on it because um, the difference between Klopp, uh, Emery and, and Mourinho is huge. I mean, you could argue that Emery and Mourinho are pragmatists um, but whatever happened, it didn't work out. I think it's the right thing for him to leave. And with him leaving, that presents huge opportunities uh, for some of the kids coming through. I know that there's been a lot of criticism about Reese Nelson. Extremely unfair. And I think this is why uh, Arsenal fans shouldn't be given exciting young things to watch week in, week out. Because with young players... Uh, come bad games where they're completely anonymous, where they don't uh, take their chances or where they make bad mistakes. I don't think Reese Nelson has had a bad start to the season, but he certainly hasn't imposed himself in the same way that someone like Matteo Guendouzi has uh, so far this season. But then again, Matteo has had an entire season playing in the centre of midfield. Um, so I think it's only fair that we give Reese Nelson the chance to shine. And, you know, he's already had a goal disallowed. Um, he gets into good positions. I just think he, he looks like he lacks a little bit of confidence, confidence at the moment. It doesn't look like he truly believes he should be there. But hopefully that will come with time and uh, a bit of good coaching. Hopefully Freddie Lundberg can work some magic behind the scenes and really extract the most out of him this season. Um, and maybe we can see, you know, five, six, seven goals. I think that would be a, a positive return. And then if he doesn't work out and it really does stink out the place, come what, February, um, there are two players chomping at the bit that I think could be interesting. Um, Arsenal didn't let um, Emil Smith-Rowe leave to go to Leipzig this window. There were rumours that he was valued at £25 million by the club and that we were using him as bait in the Upper Meccano deal. Um, I'd be very excited to um, see what he has to offer. Thierry Henry was very excited about him as a talent after his brief stint with Arsenal. We tried to um, sign him permanently um, when he was at Monaco, only to be rebuffed. Um, so it would be interesting to see what, what he can bring. He's got, he's got the right frame. Um, he's fast. Uh, he's certainly too good for the under-23s. Um, but you're very... very um, excited to see what he could bring to the first team. And then there's Saka, um, who is extremely fun to watch. Um, a very direct player. Uh, he's, he's super fast. Um, definitely looks like he believes that he should be making the step up. So um, exciting times for, for those three, no doubt. I think uh, it's a big show of faith 
that Emery, Edu and Seleli are um, pushing senior players out to give them the opportunity. And I'm guessing it's because they see the, you know, the, the, the future is with those three. I mean, we've had to sit by and watch Alex Awobi uh, slug it out in the first team for a few years. It didn't work out there. But when you've got uh, young, uh, young players in the squad who uh, are even average these days, they can fetch 25 million uh, a, a more. Um, oh, sorry, I also forgot to mention that we've got Martinelli, who looks very rough around the edges, but again, an, an explosive athlete uh, and, and somebody that really, really didn't look out of place in the Newcastle game and certainly lucky was enjoying himself in preseason. So there's an abundance of talent that, that we can draw from this season. And I definitely love... The, the the vision of of blending exciting now players uh, with with some homegrown youth as we move forward. I think I read earlier that you know we've shifted out a lot of thirty plus players um, this summer. Um, the, the the average age of the players that we've brought in is about twenty three. So definitely eyes on bringing more youth into the squad. Um, more athleticism and, like, let's be honest, a, a little bit more excitement. I mean, who are you going to miss out of the players that we've exited? Almost none of them. I think the only player that didn't go um, that we really wanted to was uh, Mustafi. Um, staggering to read headlines earlier today that Juventus were trying to bid for him. And there's some real desperation there. I mean, like, definitely don't put hashtag Mustafi into Twitter. Um, if you're looking to get positive remarks about him, uh, I'm a little bit disappointed that he didn't push harder to find a club so he could play. I think that strategically, from a, a future wealth perspective, I don't understand why you would want to sit on Arsenal's bench. If you're worth 90 grand a week now and you don't play for the next season, you're going to completely devalue yourself. Um, whereas if you got a move to even, you know, like a, a, a top a top four or top six club in one of the major leagues around Europe, you can reestablish your form and put yourself in the shop window and then get a big move next summer. I think Emery has to make sure that he doesn't start. We can't make it easy for players that decide that they want to take the moneyed route. Um, so unless there's a, a major injury um, collapse, then hopefully we don't see him back in the side. And I think that that would be you know, completely fair. He's known that he's not part of Emery's plans pretty much since last season when uh, Unai Emery did those uh, infamous player reviews. So he's had plenty of time to find a new club and he's decided not to, so he should face the punishment. Um, I don't think the fans want to see him in the starting eleven. I don't think that relationship can be repaired now. Um, and, you know, we've got other players in the squad. That said, there is always the flip side of this argument. Mustafi might truly believe in himself. He might have watched David Luiz and his introduction to Arsenal and looked at the four cataclysmic errors he's been part of um, in, his, in his openers and think, fuck it, I can, I can oust these clowns, um, I can get back into contention and maybe there will be an injury crisis. There certainly was um, this time last season. So um, maybe he's uh, he's betting against his own talents and maybe he didn't want to move to a, a smaller club. But I can't help but think that that's a, a big mistake and I can't help but think that now we have an Edu and a Sinheli and that ruthless 
attitude that they seem to have had that he won't uh, he won't last much beyond January when I'm no doubt he'll be pushing for a low move to anywhere um, that will take him ahead of uh, a European competition next summer. Um, looking around, um, there were some other interesting little tidbits that happened. Uh, Icardi has moved from Inter Milan to PSG uh, in what could potentially be a pretty huge deal. Uh, Conte really making his mark on on Inter. I can't believe that more clubs in the UK weren't interested in Icardi. I mean, he's packed full of goals. He looks a, a real talent. He's athletic. He looks to be pretty quick. Um, something really bad must have gone on behind the scenes. I mean, that said, falling out with Conte isn't exactly a difficult thing to do. Um, but clearly, um, he had his eye on a on a PSG move, or PSG were just very opportunistic and uh, took the took the chance last minute. Falcao has uh, moved to Galatasaray. The Colombian uh, has a career that seems to never want to end. Um, and also, uh, Arsene Wenger talking about himself in the media again. A very sad video. It looks a bit like uh, it was shot in a living room. He looks like a, a hostage with the captor being retired life. He clearly doesn't like not being on the bench. Um, I guess it was similar scenes at the weekend. I mean, seeing uh, Mourinho flirt with Arsenal... Um, talk about what he would do if he was in charge. I mean, you don't have to read between the lines um, with too much of a magnifying glass to see what's going on there. I think um, Mourinho is definitely lining himself up for um, um, a mid-season takeover should things uh, continue to decline for Emery. I don't know where I stand on this now. I mean, uh, I called it uh, when Emery was signed a couple of years ago. If you make a bland decision uh, and you take on what looks like a semi-risk with Unai Emery or you hire somebody that is caretaker hands uh, and, you know, just to get through uh, a year or 18 months, if it goes wrong, the fans will call to hire somebody who's experienced, somebody that's a winner, somebody that knows how to bring a club back to greatness. And when that time comes... Mourinho is probably still not going to be in a job and I just can't believe that Sanheli is not going to look very closely at the at the Portuguese. Um, I think the, the the contacts way in sport is uh, is a very dodgy world but you can see who controls it and Mourinho is very mixed up in that crowd and I wouldn't be surprised if the lobbying is happening as we speak. And as a friend pointed out the other day, I think a lot of us are expecting that Edu, because of his Brazilian roots, is going to be uh, a pro uh, tikka taka and uh, the beautiful game in Wenger DNA. But I don't think what happened at Corinthians was the beautiful game. I think um, we might find the Edu is more of a pragmatist than we think. And he might look... Uh, the complete lack of respect Arsenal have shown the defence for yeah, nigh on 14 years now and he might want to bring in um, a more structured rigid coach my concern is that Mourinho is never good for a club's reputation his art of war tactics 
um, where all focus is on him. Um, Sully, the brand name of the club. I mean, no doubt he is fun at times. He's fun when he's winning, but when things go badly, he's throwing the board under the bus. He's throwing players under the bus. I think the way that he treated um, the, the the physios at Chelsea a few years ago said a lot about his character. Um, you can call that winning at all costs, or you can call that a bit rotten. Um, I think the game's moved on from him, and he seems pleasant uh, as as any person could be in the Sky Sports studio. But you just know, as soon as he gets that job, uh, something switches in his head. And I think what really worried me about his his final hurrah at United is it really did become about him. He really did believe that he was bigger than Man United, that his reputation um, would never suffer any damage. Now, there could be... um, there's, there can always be that reaction when, you, when you've been thrown out and nobody's interested in you that you really do change your ways. But I just can't see it at his age. It's so ingrained in who he is as a personality. Um, I, I struggle to see him being anything other than the worst type of Mourinho if he came back to Arsenal. I also also kind of worry that it, you know, he's hated Arsenal for so many years. Uh, what what better way to get at them than get on in the inside like some sort of Manchurian candidate and and rip the club out from uh, from within? So um, although I do see the appeal, he is definitely uh, he definitely has an X factor about him. Like he's fascinating to listen to. He commands a room. He commands a press conference. He commands players' respects when he's trying to build them up. Um, but oh, yeah, there, there I am talking myself into it. Like the the the, the pros and cons of Mourinho. I mean, like, it, you know, wouldn't it be great if he came back and took Arsenal to Champions League glory? I'm just not sure that um, he's that guy anymore. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, back to Wenger. Uh, I think as as Le Grove pointed out for many years, uh, a manager that doesn't pay attention to uh, a personal evolution. Um, is always going to suffer. And I think, you know, Wenger might have had a lot of Arsenal fans conned, but he certainly didn't have the sporting directors of Europe um, in in the palm of his hand. I think everybody could see that he didn't adapt to the tactical rigours of the game. Um, He didn't evolve any sort of theory of pressing. Um, He still believed that the game was art and it didn't need any science. Um, he showed a complete um, lack of foresight to see that if he didn't upgrade um, his backroom team, like he would struggle. And right to the very end, um, he was belligerent about his position in world football uh, and upset, uh, you know, the, the perceived lack of respect from the fans. Uh, and that's going to be hard to shake off. I mean, I, I thought the at best, maybe PSG might bring him in in some sort of honorary position, but ultimately, PSG are trying to win the Champions League and, and play great football and be competitive. How can you sign a manager that didn't win a Champions League in 22 attempts um, and you know one that doesn't have any new ideas, one that said in a press conference after losing to Blackburn Rovers in the Cup that he hadn't changed his training sessions in 16 years. Everything is out there, and uh, and now he's sitting on the sidelines. You know, Not that I feel too sorry for him. The amount of money he must have banked uh, working at Arsenal, taking those fat fees from uh, being sport, uh, is, is staggering. He could lead a great life, but the man is an out-and-out 
football addict, um, which is which is beautiful in one sense of the word, but also a little bit depressing. Um, you know, he should just enjoy life, um, but he really does want to get back in that dugout, and he really does want to. Uh, prove himself again um, to the masses but I think when Man United are passing you over for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, and Chelsea are passing you over for a very average looking Frank Lampard um, I think your work is well and truly cut out Um, and then just to finish off the transfer section um, United and Liverpool are petitioning the league to open the transfer window back up um, because and the rest of Europe is moving, and they're not. I, w- I would think if you were um, Ed Woodward, you would want that transfer window shut as soon as possible, so you don't make any more horrific mistakes with bucket loads of money. But um, United and Liverpool, two clubs that had uh, uninteresting and uneventful summers, if we're if we're perfectly honest, um, are, are pushing to get that transfer window extended back out. I think for me, um, like the the shutting of, of the window a little bit earlier uh, made things a little bit more settled um, for Arsenal. I don't mind leaving it open for players exiting, but it's nice that when the league starts, no one else can add um, add players um, because they've had injuries or. or or whatever it is so I'm not in favour of that but I do think it would be nice if the whole of Europe could work to the same um, the same transfer window deadline but um, we'll see how that goes on either way I would say an extremely successful transfer window for Arsenal and if the opening uh, if how the top four or top six has looked in in the opening few games of the season um, I would say that we've probably got a, a top three squad um, it just down to Emery to see if he can unlock it. Okay, I'll be back in part two to talk about Spurs. And I am back uh, to talk about the Spurs game at the weekend, which finished 2-2. Um, in the moment, I think I felt that that was an extremely unfair result. But I think after watching it back uh, a few times... Uh, perhaps, perhaps fair. Um, you know, Harry Kane uh, ripping the inside of uh, the post with um, a, a hammer of a of a shot. Uh, things were definitely a lot closer than I thought, and I think Spurs perhaps had some better chances than us. Uh, but let's talk about it. Let's talk about that midfield um, that Emery lined up with. It was a, a pragmatic midfield. He started Torreira. Uh, Matteo Guendouzi and Granite Xhaka, I'm guessing in a bid to create a, a, a more solid structure to stop the onslaught of, of Spurs players. I think arguably it, it didn't really work. I mean, once again, we had a, a first half to forget. Um, there was no structure in the defence. The midfield really didn't do its job, um, whatever that was supposed to be. We conceded uh, eight shots, seven in target in 45 minutes. I mean, uh, that's uh, just a little under half of what we did against Liverpool, so an improvement there. But overall, it is alarming um, how little Emery's managed to uh, solidify things over the summer. I thought he'd try and change things up or there'd be some new ideas to to stop us being so absolutely porous but when you're playing three I don't know slightly more defensively minded midfielders and and, and the end result is that um, I think it's it's difficult to handle it's like okay so well if we're um, 
if if we're not going to play Ceballos and we're not going to play Meza Özil, then I expect us to be uh, rigid and resolute and um, and be a bit harder to play against. Um, that wasn't the case, um, and then you know as a direct result of that, we weren't particularly interesting um, moving forward. Watching Lacazette have to drop like to the to his own area at some at some points to free up a little bit of creativity for um, Aubameyang and Pepe was slightly worrying to see. Um, and the fact that you know we went two goals down early on, obviously not helped by some extremely bad defending. Uh, the first goal, um, watching uh, Jacker and uh, Socrates get you know beaten in the air by Harry Kane was embarrassing watching David Luiz like wade in on on Sun I mean for a, for a man that's 32 years old that comes with that much experience how can he keep on making so many uh, really simple errors I mean that that was for me um, the worst of his crimes so far in his very short Arsenal career but then you know the ball goes down Lamella I, I wrote he fizzed a shot um, at Leno, he really didn't. I, I think it was a, a bit of a duff shot, um, but maybe it came at such a slow pace that Leno wasn't sure whether to catch it or palm it. And as a result, we got kind of a, a, a limp hand that just tucked the ball into Ericsson's path, um, where the the the, uh, the midfielder on bad behaviour, sitting on the naughty step, um, was on hand to um, help lift Pochettino's spirits. And then the, the the next goal, which came from a penalty and an absolutely horrendous challenge from Granite Jacker, really was the icing on the cake. Um, I mean, he he was he was like 15 minutes late going into that challenge, an absolutely um, staggering uh, piece of technique from a player that's heading into his 26th year on the planet. Um, I, I, I think I don't even know where to start with with Granite Jacker. This is not new news. <laughs> like it, when Unai Emery came to Arsenal with his impressive presentation uh, that he pulled out of thin air, uh, did anybody on his side do any research on Granite Jacker? Because uh, just give any Arsenal fan, any season ticket holder a call and say, what is the deal with Granite Jacker? And everyone will tell you, he's a great passer, but he's ponderous. He makes a lot of errors uh, and he doesn't concentrate. He's a bit weak on the ball. Uh, and it, like he's extremely susceptible under, uh, uh, under an aggressive press. And every time he gets put in, into um, a situation where he's put under... Um, under pressure, he tanks. Uh, so what did Emery do against Spurs, one of the um, best pressers in the league? Uh, he s- signs up Granite Jacker and he gives him the captain's armband. I mean, it's, it's masochistic. It is exactly the sort of thing that you do if you wanted to upset everybody in the stadium. I don't understand how the benefits of Granite Jacker outweigh the extremely obvious continual fuck-ups and you know yesterday wasn't even a a, a pressing issue I mean like okay being weak in the air against Harry Kane maybe you can forgive him Harry Kane is an absolute brute Uh, but for for the penalty uh, he's not really under any pressure Uh, everybody knows who Sun is Uh, you know he's an extremely fast um, light-footed player and he just dives in with an outrageous challenge 
Uh, it's just, uh, it's a complete brain fart. Uh, it, it absolutely inexcusable and then Emery makes it difficult for himself because then he can't sub him at half time because that's the captain and again I, I don't know how many times I've got to talk about it the the continued denigration of the captain's armband is an absolute disgrace uh, five captains like it if, if there are five captains there is no captain you know you've got to make people accountable you've got to create a single leadership hierarchy you know people don't work well when everybody is trying to do um, a little bit of captaincy on the site just pick a man and make them accountable I mean I don't I would not be against somebody like Hector Bellerin uh, being a captain he's a big personality Um, I think he's a a huge role model um, to to people from an entire entire variety of of backgrounds like he's into what he's into and he doesn't give a fuck and he always puts in 100% on the pitch sure you know he's got some things to learn he isn't the complete defender at the moment but if there's anybody that I'd want to invest in, if there's anybody that I'd want to give that uh, that captain's extra fifteen percent to, it's that guy because he deserves it. And you know, bar last season, he's extremely robust. He's extremely fit. I think he genuinely feels like he's a Londoner. Like he's he's very much of the city. So I, you know, I would hope that that would perhaps keep him at Arsenal for a few years. But giving Granite Jack at the captain's armband, it, it is an abomination it is a disgrace and i don't use that word lightly i just do not understand why emery in such an important season continues to do it to himself over and over again there are so few games that you can point to where you can say you know what the faith in granite jacker there was justified that if if the only time a player in the premier league can play well is when he's not pressed that's going to be like what 10-15% of your games across the season generally when players are on their holidays in the last 10 games because there's nothing to play for anyway enough on uh, on Granite Jacker he was um, he, he was a, a problem all day yesterday actually not enough on Granite Jacker not only did we have the, the, the massive errors then you look into the last 10-15 minutes of the game when we were definitely on the front foot um, um, what's Granite Jacker doing he's making weird tactical fouls that are, are giving Spurs time to reset gather their thoughts and you know start attacks of their own it's just it's just outrageous. You know, somebody needs to be captaining Jacker to, to make him behave or, you know, we, we, we certainly need the opportunity to be able to, to, to pull him off the pitch. Um, and another player that I think has struggled um, a little bit so far this season, uh, Burnt Leno. I mean, um, you know, we've seen a couple of errors. He was definitely at fault. Um, for the first, well, for part of the the first goal yesterday, with that um, the the limp decision to push the ball into into Ericsson's path, um, he's he's looked a little bit shaky coming for crosses. I mean, um, watching Burnley basically shoot from corners was reminiscent of Fabianski being targeted by an Allardyce team um, way back when. Um, it's, it's it hasn't been good. I mean, I was looking at um, some of the defensive stats on the Premier League for last season. I think he was joint top for errors leading to to goals. I mean, um, so 
um, a, a bit of a concern that he's he's struggling for form. He did make some absolutely incredible saves. Um, don't get me wrong, but like when you're making basic errors that are costing goals in huge games, it's a big concern. And I think ultimately, when you look at the top two teams in the league and the amount that they invested in um, Edison and Allison, like it really does pay off. Like those guys uh, are, are not only. Uh, reliable and brilliant with their hands. They're also incredible with their feet. And those are keepers that are worth 10, you know, 10, 11 points uh, throughout a season. And those 10 or 11 points at least get you some way uh, up to being closer um, to, 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 to the title pushers. Uh, so um, I'm hoping for an improvement in form. And I guess the big worry with Burnt Leno is if he continues to have a bad run I'm not sure that we have the right goalkeeper to step in for him. I could be totally wrong on that, but it's not like there's a Kayla Navas um, sitting behind him in the rankings. It's a relatively uh, untested uh, keeper in Matt Macy. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Hopefully this is just early season jitters. I am just a little bit worried that, you know, when he was pushed out of uh, his German club, it was because... Uh, his early, you know, his early form that got him a call up to the German national team disappeared. So he's definitely a player susceptible to slumps, and we cannot afford uh, a big slump this season. On a on a more positive note, um, I think the Matteo Guendozi put in an absolutely masterful performance uh, against Spurs. I mean, the first half obviously wasn't uh, wasn't great, but the second half more than made up for it. Um, I think that for me is his defining game. That's the turning point in his career. You know, what does he want to be? He wants to be an, an all action midfielder. He wants to um, be at the heart of everything. He wants to drive games with the sheer force of his personality. The assist for Aubameyang was delicious. Um, again, referring back to that book, Football Hackers, there's um, uh, a group in Germany and they're called Impact like impact but with an e and they've got this kind of stat that they've invented and it's called packing um what they do is they uh they count the number of players that are bypassed with each pass through a game so you know what your net number is how many times the ball passed you and you know how many times you pass through players uh, and just you know for for context someone um uh, someone like Tony Cruz would bypass 82 players in a game. Um, I was just looking at that ball that Guendozi uh, played through where he downed about 10 Spurs players in one pass. And I was wondering, like, what would that do for his packing statistics? An incredible piece of vision. And, uh, you know, that's that's a skill that, that I want to see a bit more of this season. Like, if he has creativity in the locker, um, you know, is, is, is he good for 10 assists through a year? Um, can he start to score goals? He had a he had a brilliant um, a brilliant shot saved by Larice, um, like incredibly strong wrist by the French keeper. Um, but you know it shows that he's got a talent for everything. Like, could he be a a ten goals, ten assists midfielder? Um, if he can, my God, what what is the kid going to be worth in two or three years' time? Um, if we've got to be thankful to uh, Sven uh, Mislintat for 
for anything if 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 anything is going to forgive some of the more average signings that he brought to the club it's going to be Matteo Guendouzi fetching 150 million in a few years time but hopefully it won't come to that and we'll keep him for his entire career because eventually we'll hire a manager that can bring us to the levels of uh, of Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool or Pep Guardiola's Manchester City so all in all a 10 out of 10 performance for um, Guendouzi uh, for all the fans that were Saying that you know he was he was just a just a a frizzy haired Denilson. Uh, I think that you are well and truly having to eat your words. I think this player is going to be an absolute monster. Anybody that can control midfield at the age of twenty is going to go on to bigger and better things, and I can't wait um, to see it unfold. Um, one player that did get um, a little bit of unfair criticism is um, Nicholas Pepe. Um, and I, I, I found it baffling. I think that there's a there's a section of of internet fans these days that want to be the first to say that somebody is a fraud or somebody is going to fail. Uh, and I, I find it immensely boring. And I think that it's kind of born out of this culture now online that the more extreme the things you say, the more outrageous, the more you take a, a provocative position, the more followers you'll get. So you get these idiots that tell you that great players are, are awful and then they go back uh, a year later and they delete whatever they've said. It's all a little bit embarrassing, but people fall for it because people like a controversial story. I mean, I know that it's pot calling the kettle black because I have certainly not shied away from having controversial opinions over the year, but at least there's some analysis that sits behind it. Um, I thought Pepe looked great. Uh, I have no idea um, what people are talking about. Um, I think that uh, Neville on Sky Sports mentioned that he has that aura about him that has defenders backing off him, even when he's not doing anything with the ball. And I totally agree with that. I mean, he has defenders petrified. He's explosive. He's unpredictable. Like his first touch can move you, move him five yards from a player in an instant. Uh, he can shoot. He can pass. Um, he can draw players into space. Like unbelievable that anybody could really criticize that performance yesterday. For me, the thing that he's lacking is is an end product, and I, you know he, he still got an assist yesterday. But I think in front of goal, he'll be expecting to do better, and I've no doubt once that first goal comes, it's going to be a special season for him. Like um, I think as as Matt, who would usually be on the podcast with me, pointed out, um, it's a little bit reminiscent of Thierry's um, first days. You knew that there was a class player in there. You knew that somebody was going to explode at some point. You just had to wait for that big moment. Thierry's came against Southampton where he fizzed that uh, that shot into the top corner at the Dell uh, back in the day. Um, we're yet to see what Pepe's is going to be, but I tell you, I'm impressed. The guy's going to be world class and you know we've got another superstar on our hands and I think everybody should be extremely excited for that. Uh, so yeah, I, I, overall, I, I think the you know the the result was was fair against Spurs, but I think that maybe there's a little bit of disappointment that you know number one, it looks like Emery didn't make a great tactical decision with the midfield that he set out. He was cautious uh, again, and in being cautious, he's not really created any sort of advantage. We weren't buttoned up. We were two 0 down. We conceded eight shots. So that's disappointing. It's disappointing that the defense doesn't look any more organized than it was um, last season. 
uh, and you know like to only take one point from our last two games and to concede so many goals uh, doesn't bode well for the rest of the season but again maybe he'll get a bit of benefit of the doubt because um, a lot of our transfer wheeling and dealing happened very late on so he you know he doesn't have a settled squad um, at the moment but you know the excitement came in the second half you know when he brought Sabayas on I think that that brought um, a, a real level of excitement to the stadium. I absolutely love the Spaniard. Um, he's energetic. He loves the crowd. I think he knows that he can be a star at Arsenal and he was never going to get that when he played for Madrid. I think that it's going to be very difficult for him to turn us down if he has a good season with us next um, over the next nine months. Um, um, hopefully Madrid don't want him and we can buy him and, and, and raise him cash. Um, but you know, if we're going to look to um, a half to to draw, um, you know, excitement or um, optimism from, then it's got to be the second half. And I just hope that moving forward, um, Emery can have a little bit more faith in the squad um, that he's got. And I hope that we can build on that. And I hope that you know, our next few games we have a, a serious run and start racking up some wins. I think. The big one for us is going to be that Man United game at the end of September. Like we have to make a dent on them. They are not good. Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer is not a good manager, um, and we cannot come away from that game with anything outside three points. We've got a top three squad. There are no excuses. There are almost no Wenger hangover players. Uh, and I say that, you know, Lacazette has been playing under Emery longer than he has with Wenger. Obama Yang has been playing uh, under Emery longer than he has uh, Wenger. So um, it's, it's time for Emery to make a statement and to prove the doubters and the haters and the people that think he is bland on toast totally and utterly incorrect. Um, so we'll see if that happens over the next few months. Uh, thank you for joining for my solo podcast. Uh, I will be back with Real Humans next week uh, to debate out um, what we've, uh, what's been going on in the news. Until then, see you later. Bye-bye. Cox Streaming, the biggest live events from Super Bowl 56 to complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. It's all the unbelievable sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.